0: Boom. Hey. distractions podcast a weekly podcast where we chat true crime conspiracy theories paranormal stories folklore a little bit of this a little bit of that you know the drill at this point because we are on episode 75 i'm one of your hosts alex and christy and this week we are back talking true crime and before we dive in we have to do the same old song and dance that we've been doing for 75 plus episodes christy What is your need for a distraction this week? I need a distraction this week because today,
1: especially at work, work's always my problem, but especially today at work was hella stressful. It was a bad day. There was a cold blue in the department and just lots of stuff happening. And there was a meeting and it was, it was a really crazy day. So I need a distraction from all the things that happened today.
0: What's a cold blue for people who don't work in healthcare?
1: Oh, it's when someone's going into cardiac arrest and dying in your department.
0: Ah, well, that's depressing. I guess. Yeah. Fair enough. Did they die, like did they survive I don't know <laughs> Oh well to be continued find out next week actually you won't because <laughs> next week's episode I don't asleep. I don't
1: do care after that but it was just a stressful appointment with them I was just like
0: this is a lot going on down here today Oh fair enough yeah that's that's a very stressful work day and I'm gonna backpack on that because it is the third day of the work week for me and I am miserable so I need distraction from work because people are awful. And I really picked a really weird career to work with people when I don't like people. And it's
1: unfortunate that it was a short week, and today's only
0: day three. I know, right? But I think this is a really good segue because we both really need distractions. We need to talk about something completely different, and what better way than to talk about true crime? So this week for our true crime episode, I figured we would discuss a serial killer, since it's kind of been a hot minute since we've talked about one I don't even remember the last serial killer we talked about because it feels like years ago
1: I feel like what's been so long because we don't want to do the typical ones that we love to hate and yeah I I don't remember the last we did one but I love serial like I don't love them but I love (laughs) talking.
0: I don't love them but they're it's just a fascinating kind of bubble in itself to learn about let's put it that way yes that's the good wording of it (laughs) yes so With that being said, we're going to be chatting about Janie Lou Gibbs, a.k.a. the Georgian Black Widow. We'll chat about why this case is not only weird, but tragic and borderline terrifying. Before we discuss the crimes at hand, we have to go over the history, and I'm going to forewarn folks that there isn't a huge database of information on Janie, but I've essentially worked with what I could find, which I feel like is kind of a consistent theme with most episodes
1: that we just basically scrape up what we can because sometimes they don't like to give the deets and we're like we need all the fucking deets
0: yeah i just want to give everybody as much information as possible and sometimes i can't do that and you know what that's okay you got to be kind to yourself and with that being said we're going to now talk about a murder so be kind to yourself So, Janie was born Janie Lou Hickox on December 25th, 1932. Her birth date makes her a fellow Capricorn like me. However, I refuse to allow her in the Cap group. She was born in Cordell, Georgia, which is about two hours south of the state's capital, Atlanta. From what I was able to find, her parents were Ephraim, Joseph, and Annie Lou Hickox. And she had two siblings, an older sister named Helen and a younger brother named John. Even with little bits of information seemingly scattered across the internet, I believe the Hickok's family grew up on a farm where the entire family was more than likely expected to help out. Janie was 15 years old when she married 21-year-old Charles Clayton Gibbs, which this took place sometime in 1947. A little risque, just gonna say. Yeah, and hearing a 21-year-old marrying a 15-year-old may seem a bit strange for us to obviously take in in 2021. However, I pulled a quote from the U.S. Department of Health, Education welfare page, which was published in September of 1971. Quote, In Georgia, men did not need parental consent to marry unless they were under 19. Men could marry without parental consent below age 21 in only five other states. Which this makes me think that perhaps this marriage was approved by Janie's folks. Not saying it was maybe like an arranged marriage per se, but I guess they were on board with it since it didn't seem to kind of state otherwise that there was any hootenanny over these two kids. Basically, children getting married. Yeah, if you need to be over 19 or whatever,
1: it, then she clearly got some okay from it. And I don't know about those parents, but
0: mm, questionable. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm not, it's hard too, because I feel like we can judge so easily when this society has changed its norms so different like so drastically since i don't know the 1940s but i guess back then it was fine in retrospect ooh. like when we were 15 we were posting our emotions on msn and drinking vex coolers every weekend i definitely no shape in mind to be marrying someone or being legally attached to somebody and i'm walking around in my white tank top my skateboard shoes and my shorts and i'm like thinking
1: is like when are we gonna have the next party or let's hang out no let's get married
0: yeah. When's the next much music video dance? When am I, you know, I all those? Yeah, I know. I know. But needless to say, obviously, different times. I should also note that some ref- resources reference that her husband's name was Marvin. However, most, including the Find a Grave website, know that his name was Charles. The two would go on to have three children Roger, born in 1948, Melvin, in 1950, and Then Marvin in 1953. So one of their kids was named Marvin, but people kept referring to her husband being named Marvin. I don't know. This is where information gets kind of weird, right? And as much as the internet is a great place, sometimes information obviously gets spewed about randomly in random different places and it's not always consistent which we both know right clearly so I wasn't able to find exactly when this happened or the fine details but at some point Janie used to pick cotton before she then opened up a daycare at her home I read multiple resources that claimed that Janie loved children and everyone in town seemed to know that she was also known as a devout churchgoer and a well liked person in Cordell and a direct quote from the Fort Lauderdale news article her name Neighbors described Mrs. Gibbs, who once worked like a horse picking cotton, as a kind-hearted soul. She is a wonderful person, very considerate, kind, Christian as I knew her. I feel like I've painted a kind of a classic picture of your average person. This, like, just, just, I don't know, like, just someone that doesn't stand out as a cold-blooded killer by any means, shape, or form. I feel like that's how they always try to fit out. They're like, I'm just going to fit in as best as possible,
1: and they will never think of a murderer.
0: Exactly. So things get weird in January of 1966, when Janie's husband, who is only 39 years old at the time, suddenly died after a meal at the home. Are we saying poison or natural causes? We will get there. Just hold your horses. You know me. I like to jump around. I know. I know. Doctors had ruled that the cause of Charles' death was liver disease. Janie allegedly asked for no autopsy to be done on her husband. It seemed as though the case was opened and closed with no speculation at the time towards foul play. Janie reportedly leaned heavily on the local church, outwardly devastated that her husband of almost 20 years was gone. Neighbors, churchgoers, and the community witnessed Janie grieve the loss of her husband. However, it didn't take long for Janie to cash a $31,000 life insurance check, which she donated 10% of the church and tried to carry on with her life. So she gets her husband's life insurance policy, she makes a little donation to the church because they helped her out so much, and then slowly, like most people do, they, they learn how to cope or learn how to carry on with everyday life after a tragic loss. Mm-hmm.
1: And then we'll see how this goes. Clearly not well.
0: Yes. So some may wonder how she could have gotten her husband's life insurance without an autopsy, which I will eventually circle back to. But we're going to fast forward eight months to August 29th, 1966. Then 13 year old Marvin, the youngest son of Janie, unexpectedly died. Marvin, who by accounts was fairly healthy for his age, had a cause of death listed as hepatitis. Although some speculated that Marvin inherited liver disease, the death of Marvin came out of nowhere and seemed to shock the community at large. So essentially, first Charles dies, then Marvin dies, and the community is like, okay, this is really tragic. Only eight months apart from one another. Maybe he had liver disease as well. Maybe there was some like weird genetic thing going on. I don't know. I feel like that's not how it works. But and my, how old is Marvin again? Marvin's only 13. Is and hepatitis? they, the yeah, fuck? I know. As soon as I read that, I was very concerned in the sense of I'm not saying it's probably impossible. Maybe there have been people out there that got hepatitis at age 13 or maybe younger. I don't know, but it just seemed odd. Fishy. Mm -hmm. And to be on brand, very weird. Once again, no autopsy was done, according to my research. And again, a portion of an insurance payout was given to the local church. As Janie had, you know, leaned in on the church during her grievance of now her husband and her son. So she was able to cash another life insurance policy on her son without... Out another autopsy it's one thing to have life insurance on your spouse but like
1: do people have life insurance on their children that's kind of weird do you expect them to die before you
0: i feel like it's more of an american thing like a united states thing i've never really heard of it i mean mind you i'm not a parent um but i've never really heard of it in canada per se if you're listening from the states or you're listening from any other country write us in let us know i'm not sure i i don't know I don't really know how that works.
1: That seems really weird that she like cashed in on both. Very for sure.
0: Without an autopsy, my dyad again. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess one thing for your husband to die, and you think, oh, maybe he's like a bad
1: drinker, sure, liver disease. If you're dirty, known as hepatitis, I'd be questionable and I'd be like, I would like an autopsy of my child.
0: Yeah. And for me, I think the kicker in this situation is with hepatitis, wouldn't there be any signs and symptoms? I mean, I'm not, I'm also not a well-versed hepatitis expert over here by any means, shape, or form. Shocker, I know. But I would assume, maybe speculate wildly, even that there'd be some kind of medical history of that. Before death.
1: Um, obviously, like, symptoms I can think of is, like, sometimes people are jaundice or they have ascites, which is you're really full of fluid because your, like, liver's not functioning very well and all other stuff's going on.
0: Yeah. So, needless to say, you would think that there'd be some, something that would have came beforehand, right? But instead, Charles and Marvin just died very suddenly. But we're going to fast forward to January 23rd, 1967. Melvin, Janie and Charles's middle child, who was only 16 years old at the time, reportedly was the next to pass away. Okay, I'm just saying, speculating wildly that this mom is
1: killing everybody because what the fuck? (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's something's happening. This time around it was indicated that Melvin's cause of death was some rare muscular disorder. And as far as my understanding, there wasn't an autopsy done for Melvin, just like his father and his younger brother. And for a third time, a life insurance policy was given to Jeannie, in which a portion was given to her church. Kate, the
1: fact, okay, who's paying for all these life insurance policies? Because that shit's expensive, first of all.
0: Without an bit. autopsy, without an yeah, and autopsy. and I feel like you have to prove that. You can't be like, oh, they died. Exactly. Just when things seemed to be extremely dark and murky for Janie and the rest of the family, I mean the rest of the family that was still alive, her eldest son, 19-year-old Roger, had a child with his wife. It's been documented that Janie was really excited to become a grandmother, and that the birth of her new grandson, Ronnie, who was born on September 3rd, 1967, was really a light at the end of this really dark tunnel for her. This was big. There was a new life in the family after so much death. How However, tragedy struck, and it struck quick. So, Ronnie would die October 7th, 1967, only a month after he entered the world. Before they could determine fully what the cause of death was for Wee Ronnie, his father, Roger... Died October 28th, 1967. Janie had lost five family members in a very short time span and was once again leaning heavy into her faith and apparently receiving a lot of emotional support from her local church.
1: Okay, I keep giving you looks. You keep telling me someone dies because I'm like, what the fuck is going on?
0: It's 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 something out of a horror movie at this point, right? This is a psychological thriller I feel like we're talking about here. Not an actual real-life story, but at the end of the day, this is a real-life story. And it is full of tragedy and question marks. I feel
1: like I'm living in a movie, yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. She's massacring everyone somehow in, like, all small little ways of something.
0: I love how you did a little spice gesture. Our lis- Our listeners can't see that. But we'll get to it. Just a little spice of massacre or whatever. Exactly. As mentioned, Janie was depending heavily on the church and she was, quote, saying the following to a state editor, which I read from the Greenville News article, quote, I don't question God's work. The Bible says they will get their reward and I'm sure they will, end quote. Mm, That's very enlightening there. It's definitely one way to handle the situation. And speaking of handling the situation, the community, along with officials, started to become incredibly suspicious about Janie. How was it that five of her family members all died months after one another? Not only that, but it was also probably not hard to hear the rumors that she'd been making big donations to the local church presumably after each death. The family's doctor, along with Roger's wife, had concerned that Roger and Ronnie's death wasn't natural or unconnected in some way. Not only that, but they didn't believe that it was some kind of random disease like the rest of the family had been diagnosed with. Everyone was picking up on something weird, so the doctor reportedly referred the case to the state crime lab for further explanation. I just want to say, why is it taking five people
1: for someone to be like...
0: Yeah, why to me it's just (sighs) I don't know, it's just it, it, why it took so long is besides me. I mean, and I don't know if it's because Janie was so like she had so much guilt and like, or not guilt, but like
1: she had so much grief
0: or grief towards it that she it seemed legit, but five people later, I don't know, I know. I know. It's Saba it took five people to get to a referral for the state crime lab.
1: She's paying off his church. Like, is she paying into a cult? What's going on there?
0: I mean... I feel like people have always speculated that religion is a cold in itself, but we're not going to go oh, down that path. Feel, thank you. No, absolutely not. No, I don't, I don't want angry emails. I prefer junk mail right now. Thank you. So an autopsy was done on Roger in which seven milligrams of arsenic was discovered. Because of this discovery, authorities reportedly gained approval to exhume the bodies of Charles, Melvin, and Marvin to do an autopsy, which, as mentioned, was previously declined by Janie. Janie somehow was able to get the life insurance policy of her loved ones without the need to have autopsies done and submitted. I'm not sure if the death certificates were just substantial enough for the insurance company to allow for a release, but regardless, she was still able to get full access of the funds.
1: Yeah, suspicious. I'm just saying.
0: And I will remind people, I know it's not necessarily an ideal process that we're talking about, but this was also years ago. Like, this was in the 60s. So I... Would hope that insurance policies have become a lot more strict in this sense, but just for reminder of time frame here, I don't want people writing in being like, oh my gosh, that's insane, blah, oh, blah, such an injustice. I mean, it's still an injustice, but you know, maybe this case is a learning curve. I don't know. I just. There's gotta yeah, be some reason. Time, different stuff going on. It just, it's what it is, I guess. It was the 60s, and clearly someone wasn't paying attention. Shocker. Very shocking. So once Charles, Melvin, and Marvin were exhumed and examined, and based on what I've read and gathered, all came back positive for arsenic along with baby Ronnie. So everyone had arsenic in their system. I told you poison. Yeah, you literally, right off the hop, you're like, oh, she's poisoning people. And I'm sitting here trying to not (laughs) tell tell the story. I'm just trying to tell the story and get people to keep listening past a certain time stamp. Okay? Uh, But yes, I'm ruining everything because that's what I do. No, you just, we've just listened and watched way too much true crime stuff.
1: Yeah, like I said, I watched a movie, and I was like, oh, she's going to die. Oh, that's a bad idea. Mm, I know what's going to happen. Yeah, fair.
0: So some accounts vary on the date, but Janie would ultimately be arrested near or on her birthday, December of 1967, for the five murders. During the trial, Janie allegedly admitted that she had been feeding arsenic to her family one at a time. Besides the confirmation that from Janie of what happened, an unsettling part of her disclosure came from when she indicated she had no motive for doing Any of this. There was absolutely no outwardly disclosed motive from her, even though there have been some assumptions that maybe she murdered her family for the life insurance, aka agreed motive. That could be one thing. Sure, people like,
1: I'm not saying sure, but you could kill your husband for that reason. Not that I recommend. But like, why are you killing off your children? And like, the baby,
0: the baby. I know she couldn't, she didn't get a life insurance policy off the baby. So to me, that makes no sense. And the fact that she said she had no motive. I mean, yeah, in outside of the situation, we could say, oh, yeah, she did it for the money, case closed. But I just find it interesting that up until this point, there was no reported violence. There was no documented mental health. There was, you know, no typical Red flags that we typically see in these situations, especially with serial killers um, or people who typically commit familicide, which is murdering of one's family, entire family which I would say this classifies under pretty well close. When the trial wrapped up in February of 1968 it was deemed that Janie was insane or as we in Canada refer to it as not criminally responsible or NCR I wasn't able to find out how the court came to this conclusion beyond the obvious. It's not a typically sane thing to murder five of your family members with zero motive but I couldn't find if there were any psychiatric reports or anything of that nature there was nothing listed online I couldn't find a diagnosis i don't really know but i think they're just going off the fact that she's saying she has no motive and admitted that she did what she did
1: yeah but like you say i have no motive and i just killed them because i did people can be like a i don't know classified as a psychopath and not be mentally unable to like say that they the reason why they did something like
0: it's just no yeah it's just it's it's weird this whole, this whole case is really weird. I'm going to speculate wildly and hope that she was perhaps assessed, but I can't confirm or deny whether that is actually accurate. Regardless, she was sentenced to five life sentences for the murders of Charles, Roger, Melvin, Marvin, and Ronnie. She would be sent to spend her sentencing in a mental health institution in 1968, where, according to some reports, she worked as the hospital cook. I don't know if this whole she worked as a cook thing is legit or not. I only saw it in one place. It kind of startles me, though, when I did see it. I'm not going to lie. was a little taken aback.
1: Yeah, How does one who poisons their family with arsenic become a cook? Are you trying to kill the whole jail or, like, a oh. mental place? Because um, you picked the wrong person to cook your food.
0: Not only that, but it's – it's. I. are you – who di- Who made this decision who in what mind thought let's put the woman who literally murdered her family by putting arsenic in their food in charge of the, like the institution's meal plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And cooking like what. Do you plan to live
1: long? Because that's a poor choice. Well,
0: and not only that, but it's just kind of a sick twisted thing. In my in my opinion, I don't know. Maybe that was a punishment of a really weird punishment that they, made her do you know okay well you killed your entire family with cooking we're gonna make you cook for the rest of your sentence and the rest of your life right like I don't know it's just weird I don't like it I feel like someone didn't read her file very clearly it was the 60s and someone was not paying attention that's all I have to say So, Janie would only spend 31 years of her five-year life sentence in an institution before being released to her sister due to Janie being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 1999. What? Yeah. What? Okay. For those who maybe aren't well-versed in what Parkinson's is, here's what the Mayo Clinic says in a direct Quote, Parkinson's disease is a progressive nervous system disorder that affects movement. Symptoms start gradually, sometimes starting with barely noticeable tremor in just one hand. Other symptoms include slow movement, rigid muscles, impaired posture and balance, loss of automatic movements, speech changes, thinking difficulties, depression and emotional changes. Bladder problems, sleep problems, and more. For those who may be wondering if it is possible for Janie to have had Parkinson's during the time frame when she was committing these murders, I don't really have a firm answer. Even though there is information on Parkinson's disease out there, I don't necessarily think there is anything prior to which could confirm any sort of link or could confirm that she had it when she was in her 30s. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch. I, once again, not an expert. I don't know. But from what I've gathered, I don't necessarily think she had Parkinson's when all of this tragedy took place. No, again, again, same thing. like I don't know specifically,
1: but I'm just mind baffled that they let her go after only 30 years. I just, I
0: don't, I don't know. And I mean she wasn't in an, she wasn't a hospital of like a mental health hospital of sorts. I don't know the conditions. I mean, once again, she was sent in the sixties. I'm sure it wasn't the greatest place on earth because as we know from covering haunted former mental health institutions hospitals.
1: Yeah, in hospitals. Great. All great yeah,
0: sarcasm included, they're not great. They're absolutely trash, or were trash, I should say. So I don't know, but yeah, she was released to her sister, I guess, because she started to decline, and it just wasn't a good scene, and I mean, I I don't know the reasoning, and without further public information about her mental state, other than being found not criminally responsible... It's hard to say anything further regarding her mental or cognitive well-being at the time of the crimes, right? Or even the time that she was being released from the hospital early. I'm going to assume when she was released, she probably wasn't doing well. No,
1: yeah. I'm sure there's something going on, but I'm still just, I don't know. I'm, I'm muffled.
0: I will say in one article I did read that she had tried to apply for parole 17 times prior to her release. She had been denied parole 17 times, so I guess... I'm going to say with that being said, her health was the reason why. Maybe they could just couldn't treat her or care for her any further, so they released her to her sister. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that's a little excessive 17 times, but uh, yeah, I can see that the health is the reason why she got out.
0: Yeah, she would still have to report to a parole officer even though she was released to her sister And she would eventually be moved to a nursing home in Douglasville, Georgia, before dying at age 77 on February 7th, 2010.
1: Oh, that's, uh, at least you got some care that way. Like, that seems better than going home. Like, I think she's going home and living her life out. I was like, "Mm, questionable, but okay.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So to kind of summarize this case, when doing the research for it, I think one thing that stood out to me was the fact that it's someone fits the mold of other known serial killers without even us realizing that when talking about it. It kind of reminds me of uh, Dennis Rader, aka BTK. Both were average-seeming individuals who neighbors, church members, and maybe even their own family didn't pick up on any hidden darkness formulating inside. As mentioned earlier, some speculate that Janie had murdered her family due to the money. However, what confuses some people is the fact that she donated the money to the church. Right. So she did keep some of it. I'm not going to lie. From what I gathered, she only donated like 10% of the entire life insurance to the church, but she kept donating to the church. It's weird. What do you think about that? Like, what do you think about the donations? Do you think there's any like hidden motive behind it or?
1: Well, you heard my comment earlier about the cult. So that was one theory. Um, But yeah, like they get people do that. They're thinking like being a philanthropist and like helping back because they got the money because they needed the help in the meantime. Sure. It's kind of
0: weird. I don't know. I'm not going to lie. When I was researching this case and she kept donating money to the church, I kind of wondered if maybe that was her trying to divert anyone thinking that she was behind it. I mean, she could have genuinely just wanted to give back to the church because she did lean very heavily on the church and got a lot of emotional support from what I gathered from the church. But there was a maybe a cynical part of me that thought, hey, maybe she also just gave them money so that people weren't speculating that she was murdering her entire family.
1: Yeah, that's definitely one way to think about that way. Just trying to cover your tracks. Be like,
0: they'll never think it's me because I'm trying to
1: be good about it. And you're like, mm, this summer, yeah right. I do Yeah, care. It-
0: yeah, it's like, oh, it can't be me. I didn't murder my husband and my children and my grandson because I donate to the church. And because of that, I can't be a murderer. It could be possible that Janie was struggling with her mental health as well, or perhaps something else, which could have led her to end the lives of the ones she reportedly loved so much. I mean, there is no information, public information, I should say. I did see that there are a couple of books. However, just for timing reasons and what have you, I I didn't order them, unfortunately. But as far as my understanding and as far as what I could see in the public domain websites that I accessed, there was no history of... Trauma or abuse or anything like that. That doesn't mean that there isn't any or that, that she didn't suffer in some way, shape, or form. However, based on what I read, it, it just seemed that she just kind of snapped and just started, you know, spiraling, right? And poisoning the people that she loved most. And who knows the reason why. And unfortunately, we we'll never know the reason why, because she's gone.
1: Yeah. That is kind of I like troublesome Summer just sad about it. You're like, Oh, I'll never know why she didn't like make her point about it, but it's like,
0: yeah, why? but why? We want to know. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's kind of safe to say whatever motivation she did have for doing what she did, she took it to the grave and that's kind of it. And that's this week's true crime story. So sorry to bum everybody out. Um, hope. Nobody's afraid to eat anything that their loved ones and family members make for them because that's not the intention of today's episode by any means, shape, or form.
1: I'll still eat my family's cooking. I don't like, suspect them to poison me because I hope not.
0: I mean, I don't know what my life insurance is at, so I might not even be worth the, the arsenic chicken pot pie at this point. But you know what is worth a million dollars? Christy, Let me guess. Your sources. My resources. So a big old thank you to Find a Grave website. So the Ephraim Joseph Hickox page created by Henry Pollard on July 14th, 2013. The Janie Lou Hickox Gibbs page created by HC on October 24th, 2010. The U.S. Department of Health, Education and Welfare National Center for Health Statistics. The DHHS. Publication number 811007. Fort Lauderdale News. Neighbors stunned by a kindly widow. Slay's arrest. No author listed. December 27th, 1967. The Greenville News article. Quote, workers exhume three bodies, test of arsenic. No author listed, December 28, 1967. The Mayo Clinic website, Parkinson's disease by Mayo Clinic staff, Killer Cloud website, Serial Killer Calendar website, and finally, last. But absolutely not least, the ThoughtCo website, quote, her method of murder was poison and no child was safe. Janie Lou Gibbs by Charles Montaldo, updated May 30th, 2019. Christy, it's your time to shine, baby girl tell these fine listeners how they can support the show, how they can connect with us, and all of that good stuff.
1: Yes, listeners, it's me again. So where to find our show? We are on Apple Podcasts. We refer you go on, make a review of sorts, give us some stars, just help out a little bit with the charting, just to get us out there a little bit, get a little bit seen. That's one free way to do it. Um, other platforms you can see us on is Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anything else you pretty much listen to podcasts on, you will find us. You can support our show by free as well if you go over and find us on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Again, just searching Weird Distractions Podcast. We should come up for you, no problem. If you're looking for some more Weird Distractions, I would consider you guys going over to join one of our Patreon tiers. We have two tiers available. Both tiers get bonus monthly episodes. We've got a little bit of some behind-the-scenes footage, free stickers, and you get quite a bit more. I also want to shout out our current patrons. Tom, Bailey, and Angela. As always, guys, we are always so thankful for your contribution. And we love you guys. We love you. And another option that if you guys want to support the show, other than Patreon, monetized-wise, is you can go into Buy Me A Coffee. You guys can pledge any kind of amount. Just gives us a little bit of a mini donation just to help out. And you can also search for us on Redbubble which I saw Alex posted there was some kind of discount lately. Don't know how long it lasted, but go onto Redbubble and look us up on Weird Distractions Podcast and we should come up. You can pretty much find anything you're looking for on any kind of product with any of our logos. Lastly, uh, we want to hear from you guys. We're trying to do some listener distractions. So if you are looking to share some interesting stories about kind of our different topics, we want you to send that information in. We want you to be part of one of our episodes. We have one out currently that was out on June 13th. But anything else, small or big, we want you to send it to Podcast at Outlook.com. Oh, and also, we have our midweek mini spooks going on for October and that is going to be every Wednesday in October. We're going to have a mini episode coming out for the spooky season because we love that. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And just as a little bonus for our Patreon members that all four of those episodes were actually going to come out on the week of the 27th of September. So make sure you stay tuned for that current patrons. And if you're looking for early access, you should check
0: that out. Yes. Spooky season is coming up And we are stoked. We cannot wait to give you more spooky-ookiness because that is our jam, our peanut butter, and jelly. And to end off the episode, I think it's safe to say, question everyone, always get an autopsy, and if someone is making donations to a church, ask yourself why. If you need a distraction, we
1: got you. Bye. Bye.